All right, well, we're there in John chapter number one, and tonight we are beginning a brand new Sunday night series called The Life of Peter, and we're going to start a systematic study of this character in the Bible, and we're going to be looking at uh, all of the major events that happened in the life of Peter. We're going to look at a lot of his ups and downs and learn from his life, and tonight I'm beginning with a sermon entitled The Call of Peter, and I think this is interesting because... When Peter began to walk with the Lord, when he began to walk with Jesus, it was kind of like when you began to walk with the Lord. It, it was a little complicated. Uh, there was, a, there was a, you know, a lot of factors that went into it. And actually, as I began to uh, study for this series, and I, when I decided to do a series on, on the life of Peter, I began to study uh, for the series. I, I began to look through Scripture to see uh, the inception of Peter's walk with God and began uh, to follow Jesus. And I actually found that there are three separate events that may be looked at as the beginning of uh, Peter's journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to show all three to you, and I'll uh, show you the chronology, and, and we'll talk a little about it. I think there's some practical applications that you can uh, learn from it. Now, the first one, and if you're writing notes, you can write this down. We see Peter is introduced to Jesus. We're there in John chapter 1, and if you look at verse 40, the Bible says this, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So the Bible tells us, and we know, of course, that when uh, Jesus came on the scene, before Jesus came on the scene, he was preceded by uh, John the Baptist, who began to prepare the way for Jesus. And John the Baptist had a follower, one of his followers was a man by the name of Andrew. And Andrew had a brother named Peter. That's what we read in verse 40. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Notice verse 41. He, talking about Andrew, first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which being interpreted is the Christ. And he, Andrew, brought him, Simon Peter, to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. So I want you to notice that the Bible teaches us here that the way that Peter, the way that Peter was introduced to Jesus was through his brother Andrew. But I want you to also notice that there's kind of a theme that God gives us in this passage, because then he goes on to tell us this in verse 43, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. So this, Jesus beginning his ministry. He's starting to assemble his disciples. Notice verse 44. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him. And I love, I love the, the wording of the next three words. He just simply says, Come and see. Come and see. And I want you to notice that the Bible emphasizes this idea. In fact, you're there in John. Go with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter number 10. If you just flip back. Uh, to the first uh, gospel in the New Testament, Matthew chapter number 10. And notice verse number 2, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 2. In Matthew 10, 2, we have a roll call of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the, the, the 12, you know, the main 12, the guys that Jesus 
is going to train over the next several years and who are going to turn the world upside down. Matthew 10, verse 2, the Bible says this, Now the name of the twelve apostles are these, the first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus and Lebaeus, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. I want you to notice that, and I've brought this out before, and you've seen it before, but out of the 12 apostles, of the 12 main uh, characters of of people that Jesus is going to invest himself into and disciple, uh, there are two groups of brothers. In fact, not only are there two groups of brothers, but the main Four apostles, Peter and Andrew and James and John, are sets of brothers. And what we can learn from this is is the idea, and of course we see Peter being introduced to Jesus here, but what we can learn and what we can gather, and what I want you to gather from this is this, that there is power in reaching our own friends and family. In fact, one of the greatest ways to be able to reach people with the gospel is for us to focus in on the people we already have relationships with, the people that we're already friends with. Go, go back to John chapter 1. Of course, we find Andrew, and what does he do? He finds his brother uh, uh, Simon uh, and brings him to Jesus. And of course, Jesus changes his name to Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone, and the name Peter is what that means, a stone. And then we see, of course, in verse 45, Philip findeth Nathaniel. Philip uh, finds his... Uh, his buddy, his friend here, Nathaniel, and notice Nathaniel is not really that receptive. And say unto him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said unto him, uh, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip saith unto him, come and see. And I want you to notice that even when Philip could not necessarily get his friend Nathaniel uh, convinced or saved or whatever that uh, the terminology might be, he was at least able to say, hey, why don't you come check it out? Just come and see. Come and see. And you know what? In my life and in your life, and I believe in soul winning and I believe in going out in the community and knocking doors and preaching the gospel to strangers. But at the same time, we should be looking for opportunities to be able to reach our own friends and our own family. And in fact, the people that will probably get the most connected into church are the ones that you already have a relationship with because of the fact that once they have a friend, once they have a relative, once they have a family member, here they feel more comfortable because there's already someone that they are connected with. So one thing we can learn from the life of Peter is that Peter, the leader of the apostles, did you notice there in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 2? That when we have the roll call, and by the way, every time there's a roll call of the apostles, Peter's name always comes first. And, and, and you say, why is that? It's because he was the leader. He was in charge. He was the guy with the influence. He was the leader of the apostles. He was leading uh, the, the way for these men. And he was brought to Jesus by his brother. He was introduced by his brother. Now, what I want to do is I want to give you just some thoughts because I want you to be considering the fact that you have friends, You have loved ones. You have people that you want to get connected to church. And here's the thing. Your family may not want to hear the gospel from you. They might not allow you to give the gospel. Jesus said this. He said that a prophet is not, is not without honor, save in his own country. And the truth is this, that sometimes the people we're closest to are the ones who are least uh, likely to hear from us. But what you can say to your friends, what you can say to your family members, what you can say to your siblings, what you can say to your parents is, come and see. Come check it out. 
You know, get them in church and then let somebody else who they don't know give them the gospel. Let somebody else who they, uh, who they didn't change that person's diapers or whatever, right? Uh, uh, explain to them the plan of salvation. But let me just give you some real practical thoughts in regards to how to uh, uh, reach your friends and family, how to invite your friends and family, and how to get them connected uh, in church. Let me talk about some great times to invite your friends and family. And, and again, it's, it's Sunday night, so Sunday night's a little different in the sense that I, I like to give kind of more of, of uh, instructional type sermons and ideas. And let me try to help you with this. Uh, you know, when is a good time? And of course, we have visitors at our church Every Sunday, and it's difficult sometimes when I preach about visitors because there's always visitors in the service. Every service, it's always odd. So if you're a visitor, we're glad you're here. All right, uh, we we're preparing for you, and we appreciate you being here. But you know what? What are some great times for you to be an Andrew who invites their friend and their family member to church? Well, uh, big days are a great time. Whenever we have a big day around here, if it's Easter or Mother's Day or Family and Friend Day or Christmas Eve service, those are all great times for you to invite a friend or a family member or a co-worker. And you ought to use those as, an, as a tool to say, hey, I've been thinking about inviting um, my friend uh, to, to church. Well, when you have one of those days coming up, Easter, Mother's Day, Family Friend Day, we just had our Family Friend Day not too long ago. Our next kind of big event that we'll probably be putting on like that will be our Christmas Eve service. Those are great times to invite your friends and family. Now, you might say, well, you know, Christmas is still a little bit long away. I don't want to wait that long to go to my family member and say, come and see. What's another great time to invite a friend or family member to church? Well, another great time to invite a family member to church is at the start of a new series. And, you know, tonight we're starting a brand new series. a great time to invite someone to church. And, and you say, well, can I just invite them any week? And yes, you can. Absolutely, you can. But like, for example, on Sunday mornings, we've been going through this Money Matters series. And we've been going through these lessons, biblical lessons that you can leverage to have uh, financial success or structure. And here's the thing. If you, if you bring a guest at the beginning of this thing and, and they hear it and it's interesting to them, then they might be interested to come back for the rest of the series as opposed to bringing them halfway through and then they kind of feel like they walked into the middle of a movie or something like that. So here's a great time. If you're considering, if you're thinking, man, I really want to invite my brother-in-law. I really want to invite my neighbor. I really want to invite my co-worker, you should wait, uh, you should try to use and utilize the big days that we have, Easter, Mother's Day, Family Friend Day, Christmas, or you should use the start of a brand new series. And the reason we have these cards, and we've been giving these cards out to you at the beginning of of every uh, series, probably next Sunday in the bulletin, we'll have a card for you for the next Sunday morning series that we'll be starting, because we want you to use these as a tool to say, hey, I want to invite you to church. We're starting a brand new series, and I think you'll enjoy it. What's another time that you you could invite a friend or family member and say, hey, come and see. Come check it out. Because sometimes your family and your friends, they've got questions about the church you go to, right? They're not really sure. You, what, you're, uh, what, what about that church? You know, they're a little odd, right? And it's a little different. It's a little peculiar. And you, you don't have to answer. You just say, hey, come and see. Come check it out. You know, come, come see what it's all about. Here's another great time. Whenever there's a fun event connected to a church service. Here's a perfect example. We've got our Pi Social coming up the Wednesday night before uh, Thanksgiving. That's a great time to invite a friend, to invite a family member to an event like that. Now, let me help you out, okay? Because not only are there great times to invite a family or a friend, but there are also some times that are not so great to invite 
a family member or friend. And, you know, here's, and, and, and again, this is kind of Sunday night, it's a little more instructional. Here's a time when you want to probably not invite a family member or friend. And I've noticed that this is something that for some reason in our minds, we just think this way as human beings, we think this way, but it's not productive and it's not helpful for you. A great time to not invite a family member or friend is to a fun event that's not connected to church or to a fun event that's not connected to, uh, to a church service. And you say, what are you talking about? Here's a great time not to invite a first time guest, a men's hiking trip. You understand what I'm saying? An event that's not connected to a church service. You say, why? Well, number one, we want to emphasize the preaching of God's Word. And we have a lot of events that are just meant to be social gatherings, uh, that are meant to be times that are fun or whatever. But you always want to invite a guest to a time when the preaching of God's Word is going to be the focus of that event. So, you know, we have men's hiking trips, but those are for you, for our church family, to be able to enjoy, not to bring a guest, because a guest is probably going to feel a little out of place when everybody's hanging out with their buddies and they don't know anybody. Does that make sense? You know, here's another time you probably don't want to bring a guest to the married couple sweetheart banquet where everybody knows each other. They all know what the game's about. They all know what's going on. And there's really virtually not a church service. So I'm just trying to help you because it's interesting that Peter, one of the greatest Christians on earth, was brought to Christ and introduced to Christ through his uh, brother. We have Nathaniel who came through his friend. And you and I need to realize that this is our relationships and the influence that you have in your life is a great time to be able to use that influence to bring people to church and for allow them to get saved and allow them to get baptized and allow them to grow. But there are some times, and, and look, I'm not going to tell you, look, invite your friends anytime to church is great, but there are some times where strategically might be better than others at the beginning of a series versus the middle of a series, at a big day versus just a uh, normal Sunday. And again, I'm not telling you not to invite your friends. I'm just telling you there are tools and there are times where we emphasize saying, hey, this is a great opportunity. We're starting a brand new series. So we learn from the life of Peter that he came. Notice he wasn't really, it's not like he was looking for Jesus. In fact, it's not like he was even following John. It was his brother who was interested, it was his brother who was connected, and it was his brother who introduced him to Christ. So we see that Peter was introduced to Jesus. But I want you to notice, secondly tonight, not only was Peter introduced to Jesus, but Peter was also invited by Jesus. Go to Matthew chapter number 4. Matthew chapter 4. And this is where I tell you that the, uh, the call of Peter gets a little a little uh, uh, interesting, or I should say maybe a little complicated. Because when you're talking about the, when did Peter begin to walk with Jesus, to follow Jesus, many people would point to John chapter 1, like I just did, and say, hey, it was when Andrew invited his brother and Jesus renamed him. He said, you're, you're not going to be called Simon anymore. I'm going to call you uh, uh, Peter. Your name's going to be Peter. Your name's going to be Cephas, meaning by interpretation a stone. But when we talk about Peter beginning his walk with Jesus, some people would point to Matthew chapter 4. Look at verse number 17. For that time, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, 
and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. So some people would look at this passage and say, no, this is when Peter began uh, to follow Jesus. And you might be asking, well, Pastor, what do you think? Here's what I think. When Jesus began to follow Jesus, it was kind of like when you began to follow Jesus, it's complicated. (laughs) You know, sometimes, and here's what I think happened. I believe, and, 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 and I'll just put this disclaimer out there. When you look at the Gospels and you try to put the Gospels into chronological order, it's extremely difficult. And I'm not talking about you buy a Bible that's put in chronological order for you. Somebody did that and you've got to trust that author that they did it. I actually took time to attempt to put the Gospels into chronological order. I got about halfway through and I didn't quit. I just took a break, all right? But um, I will tell you, it is difficult. It's complicated. And part of the reason is this. Some of the Gospels, uh, well, let me just say this. The Gospels, most of the Gospels, I should say, never claim to be in chronological order. In fact, some of the Gospels, as you study them, it seems like they're not really put in chronological order, but they're put in order of subjects. For example, in the book of Matthew, you'll have uh, uh, several, you'll have a couple of chapters or whatever where Jesus is just giving parable after parable after parable, just back to back to back to back to back. Well, I don't believe that Jesus was just sitting there just being a parable machine for a month, just giving parable after parable. Matthew probably just took all the parables of Jesus and Jesus put them kind of in one section in that gospel. So not all of the gospels are put into chronological order. So it's very difficult to look at the chronology. I believe that the event in Matthew chapter 4 that we just read happened after the event in John chapter 1 that we just read. And, and, and I really have no basis to believe that except for it just seems to make more sense that uh, Peter was first introduced to Jesus, and then Jesus would call him to be a follower. Also, if you notice in verse 18, the Bible says this, and Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter. So notice by this time, his name has already been changed. And his name was changed by Jesus in John chapter 1. So that, to me, that seems to indicate that maybe this happened later in uh, the chronology. But you say, well, what's going on here? Because in John 1, we see Peter being introduced to Jesus. And in Matthew 4, we see Jesus, Peter, being invited by Jesus. And I want you to notice what happened. And sometimes we think too much about these things, and we need to just kind of think of the fact that Peter was a human being like you and like me. Jesus was dealing with humans, was dealing with individuals. Notice Matthew 4 and verse 17 again. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, I want you to notice, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, all right? So he's walking over by where fishermen hang out, which is what we see. He finds two different brothers, two different sets of fishermen. Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother. You say, what is going on here? Here's what I believe. I believe that we are seeing Jesus follow up because Peter has already been introduced to Jesus by Andrew, his brother. 
And Jesus already renamed them and, and spoke with them and all those things. But now we see Jesus going out of his way, walking by the Sea of Galilee, and going to, uh, uh, to, to actually meet with his brethren and calling them. And then not only that, verse 21, going on from thence, he saw other two brethren. He's calling two other guys. I believe what we're seeing in Matthew chapter 4 is Jesus going out of his way to find Peter and Andrew after he has already been introduced to Peter by Andrew. Why? Because Jesus is following up. And you know, when it comes to our evangelism and our soul winning ministry at Verity Baptist Church, I can't emphasize it enough. I believe in follow up. I believe that we as soul winners should be going out, attempting to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you know what? Once they've been introduced to Jesus, then maybe we should go out of our way. Maybe we should go out into the Sea of Galilee. Maybe we should go out to where they work, to where they live, and, 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 and uh, follow up with them and invite them to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we see Jesus following up with Peter. But I want you to notice... Peter is a lot like you, hard-headed, right? He's a lot like me. He needs several touches. This is not the only time that Jesus followed up with Peter. Now, I want you to just kind of pay attention to what I'm about to show you. In Matthew chapter 4, we see this famous event where Jesus finds Simon uh, called Peter and Andrew's brother, and he gives him those, those famous words, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And then he goes and he finds two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother. And he called them and they followed him. Now, whenever you are doing the chronology of these uh, stories, the way that you have to do it is you have to find anchor stories, meaning anchors, stories that are mentioned in every gospel so that you can connect them with those other gospels and try to get a chronology. And like I said, it's super complicated and it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. I want to show you an anchor story that we find after Matthew chapter 4 in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, notice verse 14. I'm probably going to preach an entire sermon about this next week when we continue our Life of Peter series, but I just want you to notice this anchor story. Matthew 8 and verse 14. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid sick and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. Here we have Jesus going to Peter's home, and his mother-in-law is sick, and Jesus heals her. And by the way, Peter was not the first pope. He was married. He had a mother-in-law, okay? But, um, you know, he goes there, and he heals this woman. Now, I want you to notice how the anchor stories work, all right? We understand that the event that happened in Matthew chapter 4 takes place before Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law in Matthew chapter 8. Go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. You're there in Matthew. You're going to go Mark and Luke. Luke chapter 4. And I want you to notice the same story in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 38, the Bible says this. Luke chapter 4 and verse 38, the Bible says this. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's, and Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever and they besought him for her, and he stood over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and ministered unto them. So, I want you to notice, Matthew 4, Jesus, so John 1, Andrew introduces Jesus or Peter to Jesus. Matthew 4, and Jesus changes his name. 
Matthew 4, Jesus goes out of his way, walking around the Sea of Galilee, over to where Andrew and Peter work, and then he calls them and he says, follow me. Then in Matthew 8, he heals Peter's uh, uh, mother-in-law. In Luke 4, he also, we have the same story, parallel passage, of Jesus healing Luke's mother-in-law. I want you to notice what happens after uh, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5, look at verse 1. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. This is the third famous story that people would look at to say, this is when Peter began to follow Christ. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he, talking about Jesus, entered into one of the ships, notice, which was Simon's. And prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, I'm not going to read the whole story, because I'm probably going to preach an entire sermon. It'll probably be part three in this series, just out of this great story where Jesus performs a great miracle, and he calls Peter into the ministry. But look at the end of the story, verse 9. And he was astonished, and all that were with them at the drought of fish which they had taken, and so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And this again is probably the most famous of the stories when Peter is being called into the ministry, being called to follow Christ. Jesus tells him to launch out into the deep. We have this great story with the fishes. Uh, Peter realizes that Jesus is more than just uh, uh, a man. He falls down. He declares the fact that, that, that he is just a man and he has, he, he's a sinner. And then Jesus tells him, thou shalt catch men. Now, here's the thing. Some people believe that Luke chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 4 are the same story. And I don't necessarily, would, I wouldn't argue with somebody who believes that because of the fact that they are very similar. One has a lot more details at the end of both stories. He's basically telling them, follow me and I will make your fishes of men, or fear not from henceforth, thou shalt catch men. But it is more likely that these are two different stories. And the main reason to believe that is, is this. In one gospel, Matthew 4 happens before Peter's mother-in-law is healed. In Luke, this story happens after Peter's mother-in-law is, is, is healed. So chronologically speaking, they're two different events. There's also a difference in the stories. In the Matthew account, Jesus is going out and walking through the Sea of Galilee, and he finds Peter and his brother working and fishing. He finds James and John working and fishing. In this story, it's a little different. It's morning time, and Jesus walks up on them when they've already been fishing all night. You say, what? I don't understand. What's the point of bringing this up? What are you trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to say. Here's what I believe happened in the life of Peter. Peter was introduced to Jesus. And Jesus changes his name, invites him to follow him. And Peter, like you and like me, was hard-headed. And said, well, you know, maybe I'll follow, but I'm really interested in my job here, and I don't know about the ministry, and I like to fish. And he goes back with his brothers, and he fishes. So what does Jesus do? He follows up. He goes by the Sea of Galilee. He says, hey, follow me. Remember that? And straightway they left their nets and followed him. But Peter, being like you and being like me, said, well, I'll just fish at night. So then we have Luke chapter 5, 
where he's bending his nets in the morning. He's been fishing all night long. That's the point of the story. Jesus says, okay, Peter, you want to fish? I'll take you fishing. Launch out into the deep. And Jesus teaches him this great uh, story that he is God and that he is deity. And again, we'll focus on that. We'll develop that. But Peter is just kind of slow at this idea of just giving up the world and following Christ. But I want you to notice that Jesus just sticks with it. He was introduced. Then he was invited. And he says, okay, I'll follow you during the day. But I'll moonlight as a fisherman. And then Jesus says, no, that's not going to work. Let me heal your mother-in-law. And then let me go follow up with you again. And here's all I'm telling you. Here's all I'm telling you. One of the greatest apostles who ever lived, one of the greatest men who was ever used by God in this world, the apostle Peter, the man who we're probably going to spend 10 to 15 weeks studying his life, his ups and his downs, mightily used of God, was a man that Jesus had to follow up on. That Jesus did not forget about. That Jesus said, hey, remember, you're supposed to be following. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he goes back to fishing. Hey, remember, you're supposed to be following. And here's all I'm telling you. Not only is there power in reaching people with whom we have relationships with, but there is power in follow-up. There is power in following up on our converts. And I don't believe that Jesus was the type of soul winner that just got somebody saved, said, your name's going to be Cephas, See ya. Here's a Bible and a DVD, and I'm never going to remember your name again. Yet that's how many of us are as soul winners. But Jesus would take his time to go out of his way to go visit Peter while he's working. And then go visit Peter when he took the night job. And then go visit Peter with his mother-in-law. And then go follow up and follow up and follow up till he got the convert in church. Go to Acts chapter 14. Not only do we see the Lord Jesus Christ following up, but I want you to notice that Paul also was the type of soul winner that followed up. And again, other than the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul is probably the most effective soul winner that ever lived. If you are saved tonight, you are saved, you owe your salvation to the Apostle Paul who brought the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul took this idea of local New Testament churches and he took it all through the Mediterranean rim. He took it out into the Gentiles and he took it out into the world. He really turned the world upside down with the gospel. But I want you to notice that the Bible tells us that Paul did not just get people saved. Paul got people saved and then he followed up. Acts chapter 14, look at verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, Acts 14, 21, and had taught many... They returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming, notice verse 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. So notice Paul is going from city to city, getting people saved, starting churches, but then the Bible says he returned again, verse 21. What was he doing when he went back? confirming the souls of the disciples. They were already saved. Now, what's he doing in verse 22? He's following up and exhorting. He's encouraging them to continue in the faith that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Go to Acts chapter 15. Look at verse 40. Acts chapter 15 and verse 40. Acts 15 and verse 40. Notice what the Bible says. Acts 15 and verse 40, the Bible says this, And Paul chose Silas, and departed, being recommended by the brethren to the grace of God. This is Paul going on his second missionary journey. And he's going with Silas now, versus Barnabas. Verse 41. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, doing what? Confirming 
the churches. What's he doing? He's following up. He's going back to his converts. He's going back to his disciples. He's confirming them. He's exhorting them. He's strengthening them. He's helping them. And here's what I'm telling you. If you want to be an effective soul winner, and if I want to be an effective soul winner, we better take our cues from some of the most effective soul winners in the Bible. We better begin to utilize the influence that we have with our friends and our family and begin to reach those that are closest to us with the gospel. You say, but they won't listen to me. Then at least tell them to come and see. At least invite them and utilize the right times and the right tools to be able to get them here at the most effective times. But you know what? Also, when it comes to soul winning, let's not be the soul winners that just get somebody saved and walk away and just forget about them. Let's be the type of soul winners like Jesus was, where he went back and he followed up a couple times. He went back and he visited his mother-in-law and healed her. He went back. He didn't forget about Paul, uh, Peter. He didn't forget about Andrew. He didn't forget about James. He didn't forget about John. Let's try to be the type of soul winners like Paul, where he would, yes, preach the gospel, but in verse 22, he went back and confirmed the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue. So here's what I want to do. Very quickly tonight, I want to give you 10 tips on follow-up. Because some of you are soul winners, and you're out there, and you're preaching the gospel, and you get people saved, but then nothing happens. And, and you say, well, why don't they come to church? Well, Jesus could have sat there and said, well, why doesn't Peter become my apostle? He's supposed to be the apostle. He's supposed to be the guy. No, Jesus said, hey, where's Peter? I don't know. We haven't seen him in a while. Oh, he's fishing. Let's go check him out. Let's go visit with him. Let's go see how he's doing. How's his, how's his mother-in-law doing? I heard she was sick. Oh, he's fishing at night now? Let's, let's show up in the morning. Let's go have a talk with him. I want to give you some tips. I'm going to give you 10 tips on effective follow-up. Because look, as a soul winner, I want you following up on your converts. You say, well, I want to be like Jesus. Okay, well, Jesus followed up. I want to be like Paul. Okay, well, Paul followed up. And Jesus and Paul were the most effective church planners, evangelists, soul winners, people who impacted this world. And if they did it, you're not better. And I'm not better. So let me give you some tips for effective follow-up. Go to Romans chapter 1. You're there in Acts. Acts, Romans, Romans chapter 1. Here's effective tip number 1. And honestly, I'm going to say this one. Some of you are going to roll your eyes. Not Hopefully not literally, but you'll do it in your mind. Okay? But here's the truth. You probably don't do this. And if, and if you don't do anything that I tell you to do tonight, if you would do this, I think it would revolutionize your evangelism. And it is this. Number one... When it comes to following up with your converts, pray for your converts. Pray for your converts. You say, I don't know about following up. I don't know about visiting them. I don't know about texting them or emailing them or sending them a letter or whatever. Okay, well, can you pray for them? Because again, the Apostle Paul, you know what you'll find when you study the Apostle Paul and the relationships that he developed with his converts is that he prayed for them. In fact, let me just go ahead and show it to you. You're there in Romans chapter 1. Look at verse 9. Notice what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1, 9. He says, For God is my witness. <laughs> He's speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He is not lying. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. And here's the question I have for you. Here's the question I have for you. Think of the last person you got saved. Think of the last person that you had as a convert. Can you remember their name? And I'm not trying to pick on you, but I'll tell you this, if you can't remember their name, it's probably because you're not praying for them. And the Apostle Paul said, hey, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Talking about his converts. He said, okay, well, that's pretty good, but, you know, he did it for the Romans. Okay, well, how about the Ephesians? Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 15. 
You're there in Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, the Bible says this, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, notice what he says, making mention of you in my prayers. You say, okay, so he prayed for the Romans, he prayed for the Ephesians. Okay, how about the Philippians? Go to Philippians chapter 1. You're there in Ephesians? Just next book over. Philippians chapter 1, look at verse 3. Philippians 1, 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always, in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. Always, in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. How about Colossians? Go to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 3. You're there in Philippians, just one book over. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't miss it. Praying always for you. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. How about 1 Thessalonians chapter 1? You're there in Colossians, just one book over. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Look at verse 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. How about 2 Thessalonians chapter 1? Look at verse 11. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. How about 2 Timothy chapter 1? You're there in 2 Thessalonians. Just go past 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 3. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with, a pure, with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. How about Philemon chapter 1? Look at verse 4. You're there in 2 Timothy. Titus, Philemon. Philemon 1, uh, verse 4. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayer. Have I made my point? Oh, the Apostle Paul is one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived. I wonder if that was connected. I wonder if his effectiveness was connected to his prayer life. I mean, if there's something you're going to walk away from, uh, the Apostle Paul, you're going to walk away from, this guy prayed for his converts. And I'm not trying to bash you. I'm just trying to help you. When do you pray for your converts? When do you pray for lost people? Do you even remember the name of the last person you got saved? And I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, that if we, we say we want to be like Jesus, right? Following Christ and fishing for men. Following Christ and being like Christ. Well, here's the thing about Jesus. He prayed for his converts. Here's the thing about Jesus. He followed up on his converts. Here's the thing about Paul. He prayed for his converts. Here's the thing about Paul. He followed up on his converts. Here's what they didn't do. Prayed a prayer. Got them saved. See ya! And here's all I'm telling you. Would you at least pray for the lost? Would you at least pray for your converts? Would you at least take the time to remember their names enough to pray? Because Paul said, Paul said, that he prayed night and day, making mention of his converts. And I tend to think that that's probably why he was so effective in his evangelism. Let me give you a second tip for follow-up. I said, number one, pray for your converts. Number two, give clear directions to the church building. Okay, this is going to get a little more practical, okay? Give clear directions to the church people. If you want church people to come for the big Easter, family friend day, brand new series, make sure you give some clear directions, all right? Don't just say, oh yeah, we're in Sacramento. Okay, there's a million churches in Sacramento. Make sure you give them clear directions and make sure you try to give them, I try to give them 
mental things to be looking for. I'll say something like this. We're on Harris Avenue, on the corner of Harris and Norwood, across from the Dollar General. I just want them, when they're driving and they see Dollar General, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm close, right? Um, if you're in the ghetto, you can tell them you're across from the welfare office. If you're not in the ghetto, maybe don't say that. But, you know, they'll, they'll know what you're talking about if you're in the ghetto. But, you know what I mean? Um, and I'm just joking, of course. But give clear directions to the church building. Tell people where it is. Here, number three, spend time after they get saved talking about coming to church. Because, look, somebody just gave you 20 minutes to give them the gospel. They prayed a prayer with you. They called upon Jesus for salvation. You can take another two minutes. I'm sure they'll let you. If you just explain to them how to know for sure they're on their way to heaven, you can take some time and say, hey, let me, let me tell you, I'm glad you got saved. But here's the next step. God wants you to grow in grace. God wants you to get baptized. God wants you to uh, get discipled. God wants you to grow. Let me share a few verses with you. And, and, you, and maybe you don't do this. You, you can jot these down. Here's a, here's a great verse for you to go to. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Tell them, hey, look, not only does he want us to teach all nations, but now he wants you to get baptized and teaching them to observe all things. Now he wants you to learn. How about Acts 2.46? And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with uh, gladness and singleness of heart. And you can talk about the fact that they continued in the, in the book of Acts daily with one accord and they were together. How about Hebrews 10.25? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some. Whatever verse you want to use, but take some time, spend some time after they get saved talking about coming to church. How about, here's number four, ask permission to follow up with them and get their complete information. If you get somebody saved and you feel like they're a good contact, just, just ask and say, hey, would it be okay if I send you some information from our church? Sure. Great. Let me write down your address. Hey, do you mind if I write down your phone number? Maybe I can call you and make sure you got the packet I'm sending. Whatever. Ask permission to follow up with them and get their complete information. Uh, give, you know, give them a new believer's uh, uh, packet. Send them a new believer's packet. Send them a DVD. Send them whatever. Hey, look, we'll pay for the shipping. We'll get it all ready for you. Tell us what to do and we'll help you. Number five, invite them to a specific church service. Don't just say, I'd like to see you in church sometime. Say, hey, would you be my guest this Sunday? Hey, we've got Christmas Eve service coming up on the 24th, Tuesday. Would you? And I'm not saying don't invite somebody to Christmas Eve right now, okay? I'm saying, you know, whatever the next event is, hey, we have a brand new series. Our pastor's finishing up this financial series. It's been really terrible. You don't want to come. But um, he's almost done with it. And then we're going to start a brand new series on whatever. Uh, would you come this service? Invite them to a specific church service if they need a uh, uh, and if they need a ride, offer to pick them up. Here's number six. Contact them through call, text, or email. You know, when you get their info, I like to, I like to get their address and say, hey, do you mind if we mail you something from our church? we got a little packet we can mail you some information. Sure, that's great. Great. Let me write down your address. Then I'll say, do you mind if I write down your cell phone? I'd like to just follow up with you, make sure you got it. Sure. Get their cell phone. Do you get text messages? Yeah, I get text messages. Then just send them a text. Hey, thanks for talking with me. Here's a link to a video I think you might like. Did you get that uh, New Believers packet and try to uh, 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 invite them to church? Here's number seven. Have a reason to call or visit them. So your follow-up isn't awkward. Bring them something. Bring them a DVD. Bring them a sermon. Bring them the New Believers packet or put it in the mail or whatever it might be. When you call them, say, hey, I put something in the mail for you. I was just wondering if you got it. Oh, yeah, I got it. Thanks. Cool. We got church this Sunday. You think you can make it? Have a reason to call. Here's number eight. Talk to them about baptism. The next time you visit with them, when you're taking a stroll down the Sea of Galilee and they're fishing, right? Talk to them about baptism 
uh, the next time you visit with them, or they come to church. How about this one? Number nine, have a plan for explaining baptism to them. Just like we teach you to have a plan to explain the gospel, have a plan to explain baptism. Here's another tip for you. Number 10, seek for a decision when you talk about baptism. Don't just explain baptism. Say, hey, God wants you to get baptized. I think this would be a great step for you. And, and then ask them, when would you like to do it? Would you like to do it this Sunday? You know, let's come to church. We got everything you need or whatever. Here's the point that I'm making. When it comes to evangelism, it's not enough to just put something on a door or even just to preach the gospel to someone if they got saved. If they got saved. Let's not forget about them. Because Jesus found one of his greatest leaders, Peter. He was introduced to him. And then he went fishing. And then he went and followed up with him. And then he went fishing again. And then he went and followed up with him. And Peter, you know, we'll, we'll learn as we go through the life of Peter. He was up, and he was down, and he was up, and he was down. But Jesus was always there. Je- even Jesus, and I'm not going to take time to do it, but Jesus even followed up with him after the resurrection. When Peter quits the ministry. And here's all I'm telling you. We need to capitalize on the relationships we already have with friends and family. We learned that from the call of Peter. But we also need to make sure we develop relationships with the people that God has put across our way that we can preach the gospel to them because that's what Peter did. That's what Paul did. And I wonder, I wonder who you might reach with the gospel and who you might follow up with what they may do with their lives. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, uh, for your word. And Lord, I, I realize this is kind of a unique sermon and uh, super instructive and practical. But Lord, thank you for showing us uh, that uh, Peter not just get on board just 100%. There had to be work that was done in his life. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to invest ourselves into the lives of people. Lord, help us not to just forget about them. Help us to reach out to them and to pray for them and to call them and to uh, just develop relationships with them. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to reach this community with the gospel. And Lord, we thank you for the life of Peter and we pray that you would help us as we continue to learn over the next several weeks of the life of Peter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.